friends and family. Uh, I graduated from Bethany, and uh, which I was thankful for. And when, right when I got out of school, I was attending this church. I was just uh, singing in the choir and singing in the He's Alive uh, play that was uh, downtown. And I remember in the church bulletin, there was a little ad, and it said, Hey, we need some janitorial help. And so Pastor Bob Paget he called me, and I said, Shelly, I think they're going to ask me to be help out with the janitorial here and sing for the, you know, maybe a little men's thing or something. Well, what it was was he asked me to become the music minister. So I was, I said, Hun, it's different. And our kids were born here, Dominican Hospital. It was right here that my son, Grant, and Jenny were dedicated to the Lord, serving the Lord, married to people that love God. We have a couple little grandbabies. And uh, I thank the Lord for the experience that we were here uh, for those years. In fact, when we did the Passion Play, uh, Pastor Scott, my mother-in-law, who was raised Catholic, and uh, she was a little stern little lady, it was there that during the altar call that she gave her heart to Jesus and through that, we've had 33 people of our family find Christ in these last years. So I want to give the glory to God. Thank you. See, testimonials. And if people ask you to help with the janitorial staff, uh, be, be leery. Um, Georgino is mentioning, is it 94 years then the history of the church? Or close? No, not you personally. I'm just saying that history of the building point being is that this this structure here this this um, building uh, is is in a way the church but the body of Christ um, who we are part of right the larger kingdom people come through this church and go on and do other things and um, God bless you uh, Joel thank you for the word it's an encouragement uh, to me and um, it's just a reminder that we just never know what God's going to do Right, you just never know who comes through the doors of these church. Um, I know it's fine, and, um, and 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 the goodness of the Lord. And so, uh, let that be a testimonial for us moving forward uh, and anticipating uh, God's good things. When people come in and out of this church, um, it's just part of the life of Christ. This is part of the kingdom. This is part of the big C, the big church. And I appreciate your testimonial um, with your Catholic um, grandmother. Your mother. And um, so, hey, we're in time of Lent. And if this is new to you, um, this is those 40 days. It started with Ash Wednesday this week. So if you've missed it, you know, this is not part of your background. That's fine. I didn't grow up um, a Catholic. I grew up in the Covenant Church, the denomination we didn't celebrate. Um, Ash Wednesday, we didn't celebrate Lent too much. But the Lenten season, those 40 days, is pointing towards the cross. It's preparing us for Easter. And um, it's those things, it's, it's that time that we think about Christ in those 40 days that uh, he spent and the sacrifice that he made uh, so that we would have life. And so a lot of times you'll hear it on the radio, what are you giving up for Lent? You know, what are you doing for Lent? And um, I have to tell you that because I didn't grow up with Lent and I wasn't, you know, giving up meat on Fridays and, I, and other things like that, I started small. And this, this sounds... Pathetic, but this is what I do. So I've given up white sugar in my tea in the morning. I know, it's not a big thing. But when I drink my sweet cup of tea in the morning with plenty of milk, because of my time in um, Africa, um, 
something's missing. And it's not like all about me, right? And Lent is not about you. <laughs> it's about you preparing for Jesus, right? And so even not putting sugar in my tea, and don't think that I'm uh, all that uh, special. I still have a Coke at the end of the day, and there's like 40 spoons of tea in there, right? But just starting the day with no sugar in my tea for 40 days is my little, wear, my little thing that kind of resets me for the day. It's my thing that says, okay, God, what are you going to do during this time? And so um, I'm going to read the passage for us this morning. We're in Matthew chapter 6. We started because of the lectionary. We landed in the Sermon of the Mount, and that's where we've been for a little while. Uh, we have uh, Drew bringing the message to us um, next week as well, and he's going to be also in chapter 6. So we're spending a little time in the Sermon on the Mount. And we'll be preparing ourselves and looking forward to Easter. I'm going to read for us out of the NIV. And um, the powers that be um, will share those scriptures as we go through the text. Uh, They don't have the slides, but I'm actually going to start in uh, chapter 6, verse 1. And give you this, the context. We're looking at the Lord's Prayer this morning. That classic um, set of verses that we all know so well. And we're just going to look at that. I'm going to read here, verse 1 says, Be careful. Not to do your acts of righteousness before men, but to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you are giving, maybe in secret... Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And this is our passage starting at verse 5. But when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. Verse 6. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who has seen what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In 1990, a year or so after I graduated from college, and I mentioned I was working with uh, InterVarsity, and a couple of my students called me up. I was leading a Bible study for a couple of years. And they said, um, Scott, um, should we go to Urbana? And I said, oh, absolutely. You should go to Urbana. If the Lord's asking you to go to Urbana, go spend a week in Urbana. It's a missions conference for students. And a varsity organizes uh, right in the middle of um, winter break. And it's usually um, right before that week that they go back to university. I said, go to Urbana. I called my buddy up, Sam. Uh, we'd both graduated together. And I said, hey, Sam, why is it we didn't go to Urbana again when we were at university? He said, we didn't have any money. 
we were eating peanut butter and top ramen. I said, oh, yeah. And um, he was working for Ford Aerospace, building satellites at the time, making a lot of money. And I said, you know, I was convicted on the phone, um, and I think we need to go to Urbana. I think the Lord's telling me I need to go to Urbana. And Sam's like, let's go to Urbana. So we went. And we got there, and it was a good experience. And I said to the Lord right then on the phone when I was talking to Sam that I was going to be open to three mission organizations for a year. Then I was going to pray about those, and we'll see what the Lord would do at the end of that year. Two years later, I was on the mission field in Kenya, teaching in the highlands in Eldoret with the African Inland Mission. And uh, about six months later, uh, there was a young woman who showed up at my door with a backpack on an Australian traveling the world, a believer who was looking at different organizations, and, and she was traveling, and, and we're married and have two kids. So you never know. Right, what you say to the Lord, be it a cleaning janitorial staff or being a, we should go to Urbana. I was remembering Urbana because I was preparing this message on, on the Lord's Prayer and the importance of prayer. And the Reverend um, Isaac Canales, he was praying um, for the, in his message, and he started to say, people, we have to pray. Very timely. I appreciate Dan's words. We're going to pray as a church going forward, looking, waiting, anticipating the next pastor to serve this church. And he says, you've got to pray. You've got to pray. You've got to pray just to make it today. You've got to pray. Pray, you've got to pray. Pray, you've got to pray. Just the MC Hammer, I grew up in Oakland. These were the big parachute pants. You've got to look this up. This is dating me, I know. But in 1990, he came out and the place went nuts. You know, it's 10,000 students were in the university. Um, big stadium there. And here, the Reverend Canales is telling us, we've got to pray. And you've got to pray and you've got to come before the Lord. And I was thrilled to remember that because um, when we're looking at this passage on prayer, so many times it's that rote and what do we do? And I was convicted. In fact, I'm telling you as a, a covenant pastor um, as before an Assemblies of God church, what's really been helpful for me is the way you guys appreciate the Holy Spirit in this church. And that you just are free with who you are. And um, so that's a testimonial to me. But I know that it's not my words, but the, the Lord's words are here in Scripture. We're going to be looking at those this morning. So the context of our passage in about prayer in, um, in chapter 6, in verse 1, is giving to the needy. And so the question here is, what is your motivation uh, for helping other people? And the answer, of course, is clear that, you know, traditionally in Judaism, your acts of righteousness um, were, you know, giving alms, you know, giving your tithes, uh, fasting, Lent, you know, people will give up different foods and, of course, prayer. But, you know, Christianity was to continue on from Judaism. And, and Jesus is saying to his uh, people, in fact, he is assuming uh, to those who are listening at the day that they would be continuing in those traditions, giving alms and fasting and um, taking time to pray. And so your acts of righteousness can be worship to the Lord, as we've just done. It could be giving to the needy or those in help. And all of those have done with the correct heart and correct attitude is an act of worship to the Lord. So in Greek, both are considered righteous acts. They're worshipful acts, how you do those. And so what is your motivation for doing them, is Jesus' question. You know, what's your motivation? Are you giving for the affirmation, the applause of others? Or are you looking for a reward from God? 
And so, you know, it's funny when he says your right hand won't know what your left hand is doing. Well, that's impossible, right? You, you, you can't do that. So Jesus isn't saying, you know, be clever the way you drop the money in the plate. That's what I used to think when I was a kid. You know, I couldn't quite figure that out. No, he was saying, where's your heart in it? You know, and what, what's that look like? You know, the brass plates at the Monterey Bay Aquarium or the symphony or anywhere else that said um, Ken and Judy Johnson, they have given such and such and they got a plaque there. I think that's what Jesus is being cautious of here. This isn't about the plaques, right? This isn't about you giving your time or prayer or, or alms or anything else so that you can be seen by men. Um, you know, that's not Jesus is talking about here. So in the context of prayer, we get to our passage this morning in verse 5. Um, it's in that context of giving to the needy and not being seen by men. And in fact, we're talking about prayer. He's assuming that the, the disciples are praying. I'm going to assume that you're praying. And if you're not praying, Dan just said you have to. <laughs> Dan said the search and the church need prayer. And so we as a body are going to commit to daily prayer. And you're not going to pray every day for the church. You're going to get distracted. You're going to, but collectively, wouldn't it be great if somebody every day was praying And if we did that, we could uphold not just the search committee, but we as a body and our impact in this community and and, and what God's going to do. So I've been challenged by that. And um, if you need to sign up for the email, um, get your name to uh, Leona or somebody on the board. And if you're um, anyway, I think you get it right. In fact, I could just sit down now. We're going to have a time of communion soon. But the whole point is that we need to pray. But Jesus is reminding us, what is your motivation? What's your heart when you do come to times of prayer? Have you had times in your life um, that you were not capable of prayer? In fact, you were so dry in your spirit or that you were hurt so much so that the words wouldn't even come. Maybe even you were mad at God. Maybe God, um, you blamed God for something, be it health or family or conflict or work. And maybe you couldn't pray, and maybe you even had a hard time coming to church. It might be true of worship. It might be true that you come, and, and, and someone like Nathan stands up in front of us and, and says, let's sing out to the Lord, but you can't. And your burden in your heart is heavy. Well, I think what the Lord is saying is show up. Just be present. And allow the voices and the words and the prayers and the worship of others. And we can join into that. And maybe you can't sing. But maybe the person singing next to you is enough for you to agree in your spirit. And let that be enough. Amen? And I think that we need to show up. And we need to be available for the Lord. And we need to see what God's going to do. So he invites us to pray. And he says, come and pray. And he starts, though, by cautioning uh, the listeners. And he says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. And, you know, hypocrites in Greek just means the age, the actors or stage actors or those people who who put on a show. And, you know, actors are great. They they use their talents and their gifts um, to jump into a character. And we all love a good movie. Uh, We like to come to CYT that uses this stage. And we enjoy being entertained. And we get caught up in the story. And that's their job, the actors. And the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the audience's job, of course, is to, to enjoy that and to applaud uh, in kind. Somebody told me I once, I think it was a compliment, I'm not sure. They said, you look like Ben Stiller, you know. And, um, and I, you know, I thought that was great. And then I thought, well, you know, I don't, I'm not so sure about that now. 
not sure. But it is kind of a compliment. Somebody say, hey, you look like, you know, and they named some famous actor or whatever. We kind of take that as a compliment. This is not a compliment. Jesus is saying, if you're a hypocrite, the Pharisees were hypocrites. Right? The, the Pharisees were actors. You know, it, it might be a compliment today if somebody thinks you look like some famous person. Um, but if this isn't a compliment. This is Jesus saying, you know what? Um, you don't need to be like the hypocrites. You don't need to be praying for the audience for someone else or praying to man. You should never seek the praise of others. In fact, I've been, you know, you're around people. There are pastors that you guys can all think of that are just uh, uh, men and women of God who know how to pray. And you're like, oh, I could just wish I could pray like that. You know, like almost like you're jealous of the way somebody else is able to pray. You know, um, that's that's not good. That's not good either. You know, Jesus wants us to focus on God. The message version says it like this. And when you come before God, don't make that a show either. It's not a show, right? And that's what he's saying. What's the heart of this? You know, it's not standing up in church or or shouting out on the street corner. Those aren't the issues, but the, the intent of the prayer is the issue. If it's genuine, then pray. Do it. Get on your knees or say it out loud, you know, because God wants our true hearts when it comes to prayer. You know, the church that I grew up in with, there was a bunch of conservative Swedes and some Germans, and we were conservative. We were restrained. We didn't, you know, just pray like that. And we had a ton of verses to say why we were, you know, doing that. Everybody can find a verse as to to why that's the case. Um, But, you know, when I got to Cal Poly, I, I spent some time in a vineyard church. That woke me up a little bit. There was a little bit more freedom. You know, I, should, I could have found an AG church. I think that would have, that have woken me up as well. Because I needed to get from my head to my heart. And I appreciate this church because I think you guys got both really well. And I, I, I think your head should be engaged and we should be following the scriptures and, and certainly there. But there needs to be a heart as well. And we need to let the Holy Spirit um, do what the Holy Spirit's going to do. And I think both are really good. I think one or the other, you get a little bit funny. But that's just me. And I can do that because I, I, I'm the interim. And, and I'm not too worried about... Uh, I am a little bit worried about offending you. I, I, that's not my goal. That's certainly not my goal. But I think the context of prayer, again, is, is those... When you do so in secret, um, as in Matthew five sixteen, you know, Jesus just said, let's not do something in secret. In fact, we just uh, preached a couple of weeks ago. It said, um, put your light on a stand, Right? And in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. So there's a little bit. It's a little bit funny to me when you give to the needy, give so in secret or when you pray, do so in secret. But we have an example of doing things quietly, but we also have an example of doing works for all to see. Right. So let's put that aside for the moment, whether it's quiet or for all to see. And let's um, I want to ask you the question, how do you prepare for prayer? What's that place that you, you prepare yourself in, and where, where do you go in prayer? You know, the contrast to the hypocrites, of course, it, w- it was easy. Jesus is saying for the second time, verse 6, when you pray, go into your inner room. Go through the passageway or the doorway. It's actually it could be translated closet. Go into the closet. I'm not sure how many of you play or pray in a closet. I'm not a big fan. It, you know, it's small, dark. We've got a vacuum cleaner in there. But the idea is that it's a small place. It's some place that you, just you, if that's the case, you get to go. 
So the point of all that is that you are going before the Lord and Jesus is teaching his disciples both there's praise and petition, right? There's both praise and petition. And keep in mind that the Lord is there to listen to you as well. This is an intimate thing. The Lord is meeting you in that space and in that time. The Lord is showing up. My former pastor, he's since passed away, uh, Mike Fitzgerald. Some of you may know him. Um, Mike, uh, we would meet uh, regularly. And Mike said, you know what, Scott, I think your problem is. He says, I don't think you're preparing yourself for prayer. It's almost like you don't expect God's going to show up. And I thought, oh, I better pay attention to this. Right. I said, well, tell me, Mike, um, what, what is it that you do? He says, I start with breathing. And I let my breathing be my prayer. I said, well, how's that work? He said, well, I just slow myself down and I breathe in and I say, the Lord be with us. The Lord be with me. And I breathe out. The Lord, your will be done. The Lord be with us and be with me. And the Lord, your will be done. And he said, after I breathe and pray just about five or six or seven times, I just settle my spirit and I'm in a better place to both pray to the Lord and receive from the Lord. And I thought, man, that's, you know, it's, it sounds a little bit like, uh, you know, we always get suspect, you know, of anybody who tells you you should do this or you should do that or whatever. But I trusted this man and, uh, and I'm not good at it. I, I'm not good at coming before the Lord and quietly um, my wife tells me sometimes I just need to be quiet and listen for a couple minutes. Not, not just to her, you know, to her credit. Um, but it's true. It's hard for me to quiet my heart and to come before the Lord and to be in a place also that I can listen to the Lord and to hear from what God has for me. Verse, verse 6, it says this. Prayer then isn't about the applause of people, but speaking directly to the Lord. This is speaking directly to God. This is God-centered prayer. This isn't you-centered prayer. This isn't me-centered prayer. This is God-centered prayer. We believe there is a God who is listening, who hears our prayers. Amen? Historically, you know, public prayers at that time, they were common in the synagogue. People would stand up and pray. And the, the, the Pharisees would pray for the listening people, the, you know, the hearts of men. They wanted to be able to people say, oh, that guy can, that guy can really pray. Right? And it was okay to pray in the synagogues. It wasn't okay to go out in the street corner and start praying. That's a little bit crazy in the day, historically. But both could be abused if the goal was men instead of God. It doesn't matter where you pray. Jesus is saying it's how you pray. Is your goal to be heard or to seek applause like an actor on a stage? But prayer sometimes is for the ears of other people, isn't it? It's not so that there can be praise. It's, it's because people are encouraged by prayers. We had an older woman in our church. She was 99 years old. She had some health issues, and she ended up in Dominican Hospital. Her son and daughter-in-law were with her for a number of days at her bedside, and I was called to be with her and to take them time to pray with her. And um, she wasn't well. And I got to Lillian, and I, I took her hand, and I said, Lord... Heal Lillian and bring her home and allow her to return back to her home and to be at peace in her home. And she was squeezing my hand hard. And she was just unsettled. Her breathing was quick and rapid. And I said, Lord, if you could give Lillian one more year of life, she'll reach a hundred. Lord, would you do this? And she's squeezing my hand harder. She wouldn't let go. And then I got it. And I realized that this was a selfish prayer. 
I wanted Lillian to turn 100. I wanted Lillian to go back home. Lillian, at 62 years old, lost her husband and had lived almost 40 years without him. She was a believer and she wanted to see Jesus. And I realized in my spirit that what I was praying was selfish for her. And I wasn't necessarily praying even the will of God. So I stopped, but I didn't let go of her hand. And I said, Lord, what do you want of Lillian? And then it just came to me. This is her This is God's daughter, faithful servant. And I said, Lord, give Lillian peace. Lord, take Lillian into your company and allow her to come home to you. And she just released my hand and her breathing was peaceful and she smiled and she just nodded a little bit. Lillian passed away about five hours later. And what a privilege it was You know, God taught me something in that moment, which is prayer is powerful. It's us and the Lord. My words weren't right because I was praying with my selfish heart. (laughs) Poor Lillian. She wanted to be reunited with her husband and and get a big hug from Jesus. And she's able to do that. You know, prayers are for the other people. But let's be let's be careful. When we pray for other people, let's be sincere and let's come before the Lord. Let's let it be God-centered and by God's will. Matthew eighteen nineteen says this. It says, God's will for the Heavenly Father, by my Father in Heaven, for where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. So when we gather together, God is present and God's Spirit is with us. And the place doesn't matter, right? We know this. Even if the place isn't holy, or we don't think it's holy, well, God's presence will sanctify that place, and God will be with us and make it holy. I just had that picture of um, Westcliff. I don't know if you could bring that up. For a few, uh, hey, during our powder outage, I was talking about the class that my family sent me to, the art class. And at one point, I was asked to go on to Westcliff and to, um, you know, do something publicly, which is my point about being able to share your faith. I thought I should practice what I preached um, for this week. So on Monday, what I did was I went and walked on Westcliff for for a long lunch and I prayed for the people that passed me. I trust me, I don't do this. This is not me. But I just thought, you know what? I better be better at praying. And so that's my uh, artwork that everybody was trying to be critical of. And um, I'm vulnerable enough to show it uh, to you. But that was my reminder this week that... um, You know, God is with us when we take that time. Uh, It's not a formula prayer like the Gentiles. They used a lot of words, Jesus says. This isn't about repetition. This isn't about 20 Hail Marys, right? And and no offense to those of you who have been in the Catholic Church, uh, really good things. But this isn't about words and repetition in prayer. This is about the heart. What is it that you're doing with it? You know, the Hail Mary is now the pass that we throw in a football game at the end for one last-ditch effort, right? I don't think we hold Hail Mary um, up that in a high. This is one drastic last-ditch effort. This isn't that kind of prayer. It's not a show. It's not your words. It's all about God because God's listening. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God's listening? I need to be more expectant when I read the Scriptures. I need to be more expectant when I come before the Lord in prayer. What is it that God's trying to say to me? Sometimes I don't like to pray uh, because... um, I'm not even aware, I'm not even expectant. In other words, I, 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 I'm thinking, 
Is the Lord really even there? Of course He's there. Of course He's there, and I know He's there, but I don't expect it. And I'm not in that place where I need to be listening and, and to be receiving uh, from the Lord as well. But I think we need to do both praise and petition, and we need to leave it before Jesus' feet. That's what is asked for here. You know, the gospel is talking about prayers that are offered in trust to a God who knows our needs even before we ask them. That's what the scripture says. God knows even before we ask. So it's the heart of it. It's aligning our hearts of trust and acknowledging our needs uh, to the Lord. We do need God's help, both individually and as a church. And we need to ask the Lord for help. But we aren't going anywhere without God's Spirit in our lives. And as a church body. When God's Spirit is with us, then we can be sensitive to that and be listening as well. So, Jesus gives his disciples a prayer. And he starts with this. Well, he starts with God. Right? Our Father in heaven. And his earlier statements were singular. This is plural. So he shifted from you should pray to we should pray. And corporately, we can pray. And so these are plural statements. It's okay for us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. In fact, I'm going to make us do this. It's not our tradition, I know, but you got the, you got the substitute. And before we come to communion this morning, we are going to pray the Lord's Prayer. Because this is also in the text this morning. Jesus instructs his disciples to pray our Father, right? For Jesus, this was Abba. This was that language that was used. This is what um, grandchildren um, call their grandparents these days, right? This is that, uh, um, that affectionate phrase that there is a relationship with. And if Jesus is praying this Abba because of his Father, and of course we have a father as well. We are brothers and sisters of Christ. We are brothers and sisters to each other. We can use that same language together. It's one of intimacy. It's one of trust. And it's one that we have. Um, if language is a problem for you, and, because God has no gender, right? We're very used to saying God the Father. And this is um, for me out on a limb. But if praying to God as mother is, is more comfortable for you, you know, <laughs> I kind of lost Mother in the 70s because of Mother Earth, and I lost kind of what that was. So it's a little bit weird for me to think that way. But if that's somehow important for you, or maybe you've had a bad experience with your earthly father. Maybe the idea of father for you has been heavy-handed or, 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 or heavy in some way. There's been some hurt, or even using that phrase. But maybe God can redeem that. Maybe you could think about the Heavenly Father as a trusting Father, a loving Father, an unconditionally loving Father, and one who's generous with you. And Father can once again be something that you can use. Jesus continues, Our Father in heaven, God on his throne. God who is there, who has accomplished the work. In John 14, Jesus comforts his disciples by saying this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. In my Father's house are many rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way. I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. So, we start with remembering who God is. God on his, uh, on his throne. And we use that phrase, hallowed be thy name. And hallowed simply means holy or most honored or or, or, or that which is, is, is magnificent. It's so cool for me and for anybody who stands up here to be able to continually be reminded of the stained glass window. You know what we should do? 
let's just switch all of our... No, we're not going to do that. But when Judy did that, it was a great reminder, I think, for those of you who have been in and out of this building for a long time. But it's fantastic. It's God saying how it's, it's God on his throne, right? This is Jesus in his holiness. But we are praying to the Father, to the Lord, hallowed be your name. The reality and the presence of the person of God, right? God the Father, that part of the Trinity. God is with us. So prayer is both intimate, it's personal, and because God is meeting with us. And it's also corporate. We're doing that together. So we pray. Your kingdom come. God is God. God is doing his thing. And ultimately, he's responsible for God's rule as God's king. Right? That's both for the future, but it's also in the present. This is the already not yet. Are we committed to God's kingdom and God's rule both here and now? And what is it that we can do to make ourselves available um, to be part of that kingdom? Are we kingdom people? To be kingdom builders through this church? And our relationships with those who we come into contact with. So what does it mean to you? Your kingdom come. When you pray that to the Lord, your kingdom come. What's that mean to you? And how do you participate in it? Or how do you say this? Your will be done. You know, God's already accomplished everything that God's going to accomplish in heaven. It's complete. Amen? Jesus' death and resurrection has allowed that. But the prayer is also for the now. To be complete for all of creation now. There's the already, not yet. Right? God has us here on this planet and he's using us in the already, not yet. What is it that we can do? What can we do by saying to the Lord, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. On the earth as it already is in heaven. The message says it this way. Do what's best as above, so below. We pray, God, do your work. God's done his work in reconciliation. What's your part in it? Right? How are you participating in reconciliation, both for people and in care for the creation? And be good stewards of the earth that God's given us. But we also need to care for people in that, right? And we can do that. So, the scriptures continue on. We also pray for our daily bread. So this has a couple parts to it, being that one day um, heaven will gather all to the banquet, right? We'll all get to go to the banquet of the Lord in heaven, and there's going to be plenty for everyone. Um, And then there's also that part that says, um, for the now, um, there's the the physical needs of now, right? There's that daily bread part of it. What are the basic physical needs for survival? You know, what what is it that um, is God's doing for the now? Um, Jesus would have had poor daily laborers in his um, listening audience, and they would have known that everything that they did for that day was supposed to be enough to provide for the family and those relying on them. Keep us alive is the heart of that part of the prayer. Keep us going. I prayed with um, our our brother this morning um, about um, uh, disability checks and um, that the Lord will provide for him. And I was convicted Because I realize that there are those amongst us that daily think about where their bread is going to come from. And at the the heart of the prayer is keep us alive. You know, I was thinking about minimum wage, and I I want to get political here, and we don't have time for this. But it seems to me that when I go to In-N-Out Burger, I've confessed to you that I'm a big fan, um, I need to be conscious that there are a lot of people who serve us in in, in coffee and everything else that we're doing, and and they're just making it. 
right? We, we, we live in a pretty affluent area. We're blessed. You guys are blessing me and my family. But I'm also conscious that maybe these are the type of people that we're thinking about. If you've been out of work before, you know, right, how hard this is. Well, when, when you're out of work or when you're, when you're struggling with something, you get vulnerable. Um, you know, absolutely pursue work and pursue those relationships and, and try to, to find those things. But also in those times, be aware that maybe the Lord is using that time in your life to get you on your knees. When we were in Tanzania, uh, East Africa, the roads weren't great. And one of our traditions was before we traveled, uh, we would pray as a family. Lord, get us from A to B. B was Mwanza, was on the coast of Lake Victoria. We would buy, you know, Pringles and cornflakes there. It's great. Uh, we'd visit the church and we had, had other responsibilities. But oh, driving was hard. It was really hard. And I used to long and dream for just, you know, roads that had uh, no holes in them. We got home a, a number of years later and I realized I was complaining about this one pothole that we had on Lockhart Gulch. And um, I was just thinking about how quickly I went from Tanzania to whining about, you know, everything like that. I also carry a AAA card. Got the AAA card now in my wallet, right? AAA will take care of me. I got a flat tire. My battery goes dead. I run into a tree. AAA is there. I don't need Jesus. I got AAA. Tanzania, we didn't have AAA. We didn't even have roads, right? I'm like, Lord, get us from here to there. For our car, for every other car, for all the drivers, Lord, just bless the whole thing. And now I got AAA. That was for me. That wasn't for you. If you're convicted, that's, you know, that's the spirit, I hope. And a little bit of me. But when our support went down as missionaries, we, I personally got a little anxious. My wife is better about this than uh than I am. But I worry about money. It's funny too because I don't really care about money, but I always worry about it. Maybe I'm like my dad in that way. When you have times in your life when you have financial considerations or you're out of work or even if you don't have roads, it keeps you on your knees and it keeps you in focus. But when we, our support would go back up, I think, hey, we're good, right? If we had more than what we needed, I didn't pray as much. Forgive me, Lord, right? That's not what God is asking. He's asking us to pray for our daily bread, to be in relationship with him, to know that his provision is part of all that is going on. And we need to be constantly in prayer or praise. If you've got a great salary or if you're doing okay and you've got money in the bank, praise God for that. You don't have to pray just when you need, right? You need to be grateful and thankful. There is both praise and petition. All right, I'm taking too long. Verse 12. Are you with me? Forgive us our debts. So, Jesus is assuming here that we've all sinned. I think I've, that was one of my early messages to us, right? We're sinners, but we're also saints. Forgive us our debts. So, we've all sinned, and every person comes before the Lord in need of mercy and forgiveness. We're all guilty before the Lord because of sin. But, because we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, there is sin that we cannot repay. This is a debt that can't be paid, right? Matthew 18, the parable, parable of the unmerciful servant. You guys remember it. So that makes it clear. We've been forgiven even though we couldn't pay. So let's extend this towards others, or at least stay in a place of a forgiven sinner. God's forgiveness is unconditional. 
It isn't reliant on human forgiveness, yet there's a relationship here. If you are an unforgiving person, it's unthinkable to ask God for forgiveness. But we do it all the time, right? We hold grudges. We hold hurt and grudges and relationships sometimes for, with people for years. And we don't even think about it. We still come before the Lord. Maybe we've been deeply hurt. But you know what? God is deeply hurt when we hold that. And when I sin against him, God knows that I will sin again and again and again. And he still chooses to love me and forgive me unconditionally. That's amazing. God is good. God is good. Forgive us as we have forgiven. Matthew 18, 33. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers until he should pay back all he owed. And Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So forgive as you have been forgiven. Verse 13. And lead us not into temptation. Oh, this freaked me out as a kid. I didn't understand this. I thought, wait a minute. God was supposed to keep us from temptation. And now um, I didn't, it didn't seem right. It, it just didn't make any sense. James 1.13 says this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Right? But then I had to wrestle with the idea that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. So that God allowed, or allowed Jesus to be in that situation. And Jesus was faithful. And he... Um, was faithful to the Lord and wasn't, uh, didn't, didn't sin. So verse 13 possibly is referring to the end times, to tribulation and persecution and the power of evil as it intensifies and things that will come. And um, the prayer here, it seems to me, is to take those temptations seriously. Come before the Lord and say, hey, I'm going to need some help. And regardless, to pray for God's deliverance for them. Amen? And God will help us. And as Judy reminded us, there is deliverance from the evil one. Right? There is the evil one. There is the one who is real, who is actively involved um, with trying to get us off course. And so bring that to you before the Lord. And we'll end here. But um, this prayer is often, when gathered uh, worship, it's also, um, also with a doxology. And it says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Reminding us to whom we are speaking. And then there's that cautionary thing again of verse 14 and 15 here at the end. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I don't have time to unpack any of that uh, this morning. But um, let's forgive as we've been forgiven. Right? I think that's the heart of it. And um, we'll leave it there. Amen? Amen. I'd like to prepare for a time of communion now this morning, and I'm going to bless the elements. Um, I ask that you, when you receive the elements, um, that you take the bread and then that you would hold the cup. You might take some time to reflect before the Lord, and then um, we will take the cup then together. I don't know, Nathan, would you come and bless us as well with a little bit of um, music while we're doing that? I'm actually going to start us... Uh, by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Um, and well, we're going to read this with a spirit of unity and with a heart. Um, do you have that, um, then, Josh, in the back? Do you have the Lord's Prayer? Um,
Let's say this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
come to this sacred table not because you must, but because you may. Come to testify not that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on the grace of God, but because in your frailty and sin, you stand in constant need of God's mercy and help. Come not to express an opinion, but to seek God's presence and pray with the Spirit. The Apostle Paul tells us that on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Paul goes on to tell us that in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul then reminds us that whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the death of Jesus until he comes again. I'll ask that you take the elements and return back to your seat. And after you receive the bread on your own, then we'll drink the cup together. Let's take some time to come before the Lord. is the blood of Christ shed for you. Let's drink together. Amen. God is good. Receive my benediction. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. CLC, go to love and serve the Lord. Amen.